One. Two. Three. I thought we were doing three at once. Oh, shoot. We were. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the place where musical memories are transmuted into life stories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guests this week are the dynamic husband and wife duo of Kirsten and Corey O'Donnell. Originally from Detroit, Kirsten has worked in the communication field her entire adult life, starting as a college speech instructor and debate coach. She moved to Florida in 2005 to work as a television sports reporter, and then during the Great Recession, transferred her skills to a career in public relations and marketing, where she's worked for nonprofits, city governments, and was VP of marketing at Conrick PR and Marketing. These days, she's a marketing project lead for Aviv Clinics in the Villages. Corey was raised in what he describes as small-town Missouri, and he also came to Florida in 2005. That's no coincidence. For the past 17 years, he's been a marketing professional and journalist, he says, with a passion for building community in southwest Florida. He worked in marketing at Fox 4 and then later was engagement editor with the News Press and Naples Daily News, where he served on the News Press editorial board and launched the Southwest Florida Storytellers Project. These days, he leads the marketing team for Owen Ames Kimball Company, a construction management company serving Florida since 1982. Corey and Kirsten are co-hosts and co-producers of the Florida Freak Show podcast, which chronicles the many bizarre news stories that come from the Sunshine State. They live in Cape Coral with their very loved and they say very mean cat named Sparkle. Good morning to you both. Good, Good morning. morning. Did you listen to music on the way in? We of did. Of course. What were you listening to? <laughs> we actually listened to the songs we were going to talk about okay, today. Okay, <laughs> trying to get into the, into the vibe. And a few other things. Sure. Yeah, just uh, my little YouTube music playlist. Uh, just hit random and see what comes up. But yeah, I was like, let's listen to the songs again. Why not? That's a really good idea. Got, got to get in the headspace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just how mean is this cat named Sparkle? Because oh, it's my. in both of your bios, so it must be a heck of a mean cat. Well, and it's it feels like it's almost gotten worse, too, because we just we just recently adopted a new cat named Steel, you know, in hopes that it would actually, you know, calm Sparkle down. She'd have someone to play with. Yeah, and I think it's actually made things worse for right now. Yeah, so we're hopeful so. that it's uh, that it's just a phase. And they're just sort of feeling each other out. Is this a cat that's problematic at the vet? Mean? No. Oh, she's problematic everywhere. She's problematic everywhere. (laughs) She was a foster fail. I volunteered at an animal Mm -hmm. shelter. She was a foster. She was the sweetest kitten. She was so so cute. Thrown out of a car, like thrown out of a moving car. So So she's got some PTSD or something. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. She's Um, definitely got trust issues, I'm sure. mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I have a very sweet cat. So there. Um, Good for you. the, The new one is very sweet, which is what. What makes her meanness so heartbreaking? Yeah, it is really, really rough. <laughs> um, uh, do y'all's musical tastes align? I think they're pretty close. I, I think the Venn diagram of our musical taste isn't quite just a circle, no. but it's where there's would be a the, lot of Where would overlap. be the non-overlap? Where would be oh, the most, most frictionless-y place? I probably, like, I really like a lot of alt-country stuff from, like, the the mid-'90s and stuff like that. It does not jive with yeah, you Yeah, I'm not into all. Wilco. I'm not yeah. into, like, I'll listen to it, but, I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I was a, I mean, we're both music nerds, but I was, like, really a music nerd when I was in, I think, like, all of us, like, when we we're in college and like sort of start trying to figure out who we are and everything like that. And we just start listening to a lot of things. And 
I just really got into like some weird sort of places in terms of that. And, and it's like, yeah, we're never going to see eye to eye on that sort of stuff. But the large majority of stuff that we like is very, very similar. Are there any bands that will make you make the face she made when she said Wilco that she <laughs> listens to? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Arctic monkeys. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I can't get into them. I just never could. You That's don't like just, the guy's voice. He sounds like Adam Sandler. Yeah. That, and, and, and I don't. I'm not to here to disparage any Sandler fans because I'm a Sandler fan myself. But yes, there's something about that band that I just can't really wrap my head around. But yeah, okay. so maybe that's it. I don't know. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm so like easygoing, you know, <laughs> for the most part. Okay, uh, Kirsten, we're going to start with you then. So where'd you okay. grow up, and uh, how would you characterize the musical background of your childhood? Like what was happening around you? So I grew up outside of Detroit uh, in a suburb, and uh, my parents listen to classical music like I they listen to some older pop music but not often like if we were in the car if it wasn't an oldie station on it was the classical station so that's the music I knew and um you know that's that doesn't make you super popular <laughs> right yeah. did you enjoy it or were you like rolling your eyes at your parents no, it I was didn't... just it was what music was right I didn't really know any better um I knew like the really ubiquitous popular music of right. the time, right? Like, so I grew up in the 70s. So I, I knew the village people. I knew Kiss. I knew, um, I knew whoever I saw on a variety show. Right. Like I knew whoever was on Muppet Show. If they were on the <laughs> Muppet Show. Like I remember Blondie because she was yeah. on the Muppet Show. Um, I once... <laughs> I, I used to – my parents would let me stay up late a lot, so I would always yeah. watch Saturday Night Live. I'd always watch The Tonight Show, even as a pretty little kid. And uh, one time saw Alice Cooper on The Tonight Show mm. with Johnny Carson, and he had the the big snake. You know, this was like snake era Alice Cooper, right? Like no right. more Mr. Nice Guy, all yeah. of that. And uh, I told my mom that I was going to marry Alice Cooper mm, when, I, when I grew up. Um, she was just eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first uh, band or musician that you started to become attracted to? You know, in a way that you were like, "That's my music." Oh man, um, I you know I'm I'm not sure because like I just didn't know who. So there anyone... wasn't a band that took over your life when you were 13. Oh, there was like <laughs> like there definitely was. Um, go with that one. <laughs> uh, I was I, I loved. Adam Ant. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I loved Billy Charismatic Idol. dude. Charismatic dude. Yep. And Duran Duran. And Duran Duran. Beautiful dudes. Yep. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, but I also like really loved hard rock and metal and stuff like that. So I had very weird, diverse music taste from, you know, Duran right. Duran to Iron Maiden, you know, and everywhere in between. Once I started listening to popular music, like the dam broke. Do you yeah. remember the first music you owned that was somehow you either chose to buy it or you asked for it for Christmas I had the Grease soundtrack. Nice. Like, was it on 8-track? We had no. it on 8-track when I was a kid. Double album, right? Um, yeah, had the Grease soundtrack. It was a Christmas gift. But I mean... You know, again, little girl growing up in the 70s, right? Like what little girl didn't have the Grease soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah. And I could probably still sing every single song on it. (laughs) I'm sure I could too. And we really did have it on 8-track when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. we listened to the heck out of that thing. My my uncle actually, something that popped in my head the other day, he had this massive 8-track collection. 
and he grew he lived in Massachusetts, which is where my family is originally from, and we would go back to visit. And there was one eight track, and I'm not sure which one it was. It was an Elton John, I think it was Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I hope so. But I listened to it so much that it snapped. And so he had to, you know, perform a little surgery with some uh, scotch tape yeah, on it. And yeah. I could never hear the difference because I was like eight. And, you know, what do you know at eight? But right. he was always like, oh. Musical instruments anywhere in your life or family? French horn. French mm-hmm. horn. Hmm. Again, parents that listen to classical music, yeah. fifth grade rolls around. How, how long did that stick around? Uh, I played fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Huh. And then once I got to high school, I ditched it. Could you play a French horn now if oh, we God, magically no. brought you one? No. Not even a little bit? I don't think I have the embouchure anymore. Uh, oh, that <laughs> word. Yeah. Um, it but, is, however, hanging up in my mom's living room, and it looks lovely Well, there. it's never too late. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when my daughter was in fifth grade, I met the guy who is the band director at Dunbar High or mm. Dunbar Middle, which is yeah. where she wound up going. And he pulls me aside and he's like, come to Dunbar and have her play French horn. I can get her a scholarship. Like, <laughs> so apparently there's like a, a, a need for French horn players in there's the classical music world. A shortage, a dearth of yeah. uh, French horn players. Yeah, well, she played trombone and I don't think they, they need many more trombone players. <laughs> Plenty of those yeah. out there. Um, OK, you ready for your first song or your song? Your, your song. Yeah, my song, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. This is the, uh, the Rush song, right? It It is. And so kind of the backstory behind this song, um, like I said, I only knew classical music and like the Village People and Kiss and you know, those bigger than life bands. They're often on the same list. You right. Know, the Village People and Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about like 1978, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, they yeah, are yeah. on that list. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't know any rock music, popular music, anything like that beyond sort of that that stuff that everybody knew. And um, my seventh grade talent show, you know, the the whole school goes to the talent show. They did it like during sixth hour. And there was a band of boys that were a little bit older than me. They were probably like in ninth grade. Yeah. And they played this song. And I was like, what is this? This is amazing. And this is a high school or junior high school kids playing it. What is this? You know, it was just so cool. Their microphone broke. Nobody got to sing. So they just did it instrumentally. And I was like, this is amazing. So I, as a nerd, got super obsessive about it. Like, and like, they played it, played it? They played it, played it. With like instruments? Yeah, with wow, instruments. Okay. Yeah. No, no they, were, they were good. <laughs> like they were, actually, one of them is now a studio musician. Like okay. he's a studio so bassist cool. and has yeah. been for, you know, his If he did the show, he'd life. tell that story of that talent show. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, so I, I got like obsessed with like popular music and obsessed with like basically trying to fit in, right? Because I didn't know anything. People would talk about music and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, do you like Sting? I'm like, who's Sting? What are the police, <laughs> you know? Um, so the song happens and that summer I dedicated my life to learning popular music. So our yearbook, we always had, you know, you've got the mock elections and all of that in the yearbook. We also had sort of like a student survey, so like best radio stations and stuff like that, best TV show. So I started listening every day before my mom got up on headphones in my bedroom on my stereo that usually only played like the Muppet Show soundtrack and and, uh, and the Grease soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, right. 
And I, I listened to the two rock stations in Detroit, WLZ and WRIF, because those were the top two stations among the student body. And I was like, I'm going to learn all of this music. I'm You're doing summer everything. school. I did. It was my <laughs> summer school. That's, that's a fantastic analogy. Um, but I was like, really? I was just waiting to finally hear this song, this song that I had heard. And I, yeah, I knew I would know it the second I heard it. Yeah. I mean, the opening riff is unmistakable and uh, finally heard it and figured out what it was. And and it's still one of my favorite songs to this day. Um, uh, paint a little picture as we go into this song. Like, you know, what was your bedroom like? You, know, you were sitting there, you know, was it a t- typical girl's bedroom in 1970? Were there any rock and roll posters on the wall yet? No. Oh, God, no. no. I, I, who would I have had a poster of? I don't even know. I probably had Kermit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, lots of stuffed animals. Did you have your animal animal at that point? Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my animal from Muppet Show. Yeah. I have a little puppet of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had that. Lots of stuffed animals, um, probably lacy pillowcases. And, <laughs> like it was girly, like not super girly, but pretty girly. Very against type. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, and this, this, my parents' old stereo, old hi-fi uh, was in there because they'd gotten a better one. So they put that one in my room and it had a decent record player on it. Um but yeah, yeah. So yeah, just me sitting on the floor with, with the headphones on. With your big old seventies headphones, listening oh, to yeah. "Spirit of the Radio" nice. by or Rush. The Spirit of Radio. I discovered I've been saying it wrong. The Spirit for of Radio. Years. Yes. Well, I copy and pasted, so yeah. it's the Spirit of Radio. Yeah. This is Kirsten O'Donnell's song on today's two for episode of Three Song Stories. It's by Rush from their album "Permanent Waves," released in nineteen eighty. How similar was what you heard on the radio to what you heard on the stage at the talent show? I mean... <laughs> were you like, suddenly you were like, oh, that wasn't that good. Uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> are we sure this is the right song? Oh, no, I knew it was the right song. I have to say, these headphones are amazing. Right? And much better than the headphones that I listened to, you know, yeah. back in the 70s in yeah. my bedroom. But yeah, like listening to it on these headphones, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, so, you yeah. really feel yeah. it. So when you got back to school after that summer, were you suddenly like all cool and, you know, trying to work your way into conversations because you knew band names? Did you try to like wield your power? <laughs> <laughs> I could actually converse with people about music at yeah. least, which was, I, I mean, I was, I still had thick glasses and braces and, you know, was, was a big dork and, you know, <laughs> too smart for my own good. And that's cute when you're a little, little kid, but yeah. not so cute in junior high school. So I wouldn't say I got cool, but I felt cooler, you know, yeah. like I felt like I fit in a little better. Right, right, right. Um, uh, do you remember your first slow dance? Oh, yes. What was the song? What was the moment? Um, when I'm With You by Sheriff. Nice. Right? Yeah. Tommy Doan, who I had a big crush on, he was in band with me. He looked like Rob Lowe. Okay. We were we were very um uh platonic. Platonic friends. Okay. But he danced with me at a dance and it was very very Was it a very platonic dance? Was it the I mean, it was pretty platonic. Hands on we, hips, shuffling yeah, well, a circle. Yeah, I mean, we weren't like, you know, three feet apart or whatever. <laughs> no daylight. It was more of a swaying hug for four minutes, you know. That's nice. That yeah, is it nice. it was lovely. Yeah. Do you guys dance? 
Uh, rarely. Yeah, yeah, pretty rarely. Yeah. <laughs> we we like we like to watch from afar. We like we like to voyeur. O- occasionally at a wedding with an open bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get a couple you of drinks. Can't not. You know, you, yeah. weddings are like. There's this like. You gotta, yeah. Thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, about, and I think once we get going, then where it's like, okay, we'll stay out here for you a little break while. the ice. Yeah. But I'm a terrible dancer. Nobody in my family can dance. I mean, I so think that I'm a really bad dancer, but you always say that I'm not good. so bad. Yeah. So that always helps. You know, you really she's bring just, the confidence she's just, up. Yeah, she's just boosting your. Confidence. I think so. <laughs> well, you're better than me. So. <laughs> um, okay, we're gonna start with you here in a second, Corey. Okay. But, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were in high school. Were oh, you on God. a track that led you to where you are, or was it completely something I, well, else? Well, yes and no. Like, I always wanted – so my sixth grade, like, you know, when you transition, graduate from sixth grade to junior high school, in my in our little, like – it wasn't really a yearbook, but whatever you want to call it, I wanted to be a talk show host. Okay. All right? So, like, Dinah Shore or Phil Donahue. Or, or Mike Canary. Or Mike Canary. <laughs> there you exactly. Go. <laughs> I really, really wanted to do that. And I did end up working in television for many years. I worked at at Wink here for two years, but I worked at TV stations in other states before that. Um, So, I mean, kind of took that path, but then diverged when the recession happened and ended up in public relations and marketing. So the dark side, basically, (laughs) if you work in the media. Right. Uh, Yeah. So that, that was what I wanted to do. Well, really, I wanted to be an actress, but I mean, that my more my backup plan, I guess. Did my plan do, B. Did you do theater in high school? Yeah, did theater in high school, not so much in college. Not not dancey musical theater. Yes. Oh, um, you, you we just did two admitted plays to a being year. a bad dancer. Oh well, I was in the back row. Mike. <laughs> I see. Okay, back row always in the chorus. Back row. Right. You back there just do random moves so you're synchronized. Yeah, just kind of wave your arms with everyone else. Yeah, I, I was an okay high school actor, but a terrible dancer and not a very good singer. So yeah. favorite yeah. show from high school. Favorite show like, that we like did? Like that you did. Did you have one that sticks out that kind of popped into your head? I mean, we did Up the Down Staircase, which is much better known as a book than as a play, but it, I really enjoyed it. It was great. It was great. But, That's a perfectly nerdy answer, nerdy answer right? to that Isn't question. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Corey, you ready to come into this game? Sure. Okay, so you grew up in a small town in Missouri. Correct. Or Missouri, as some might say. It's Missouri. I, I call it Missouri, too, even <laughs> though I grew up in a small town in Missouri. Yeah. Oh. What small town did you grow up in? I grew up in Kirksville, Missouri, which uh, is in uh, northeast section of the state. It's about an hour and a half north of Columbia. Okay. Mm-hmm. I misspoke a second ago. I was born in a small town in Missouri. Missouri, but then I grew up in Kansas City. Oh. I was born in Warrensburg, which yeah. is where I, I, I went to school there. Okay, that's how I was born there. My parents went to school there. Nice. And they lived in a mobile home, and I was born there. And yeah. then they moved back into Kansas City, where they were from when I was like two. Oh, so. that's so cool! Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. I grew up, uh, grew up mainly in Kirksville. Uh, went to school in Warrensburg. I went to school at Truman State in Kirksville for a little while, and then I transferred to. Uh, Warrensburg and really loved it there quite a bit. And then my dad actually lived in Blue Springs, Missouri, big Chiefs fans. So we, I would go and Kansas City suburb, uh, Kansas City suburb, yeah. right? And so we would, uh, I would like work at his uh, store on the weekends, and then I would work at like 
the Hastings in uh, in Warrensburg when I was going to school there. Wow. Yeah, so. so when you were little, back to what I asked her, like what paint a picture of what the musical scene was like around you and your family and your friends. Right. So I I mean the things that I remember most about when I was a kid is my my mom and my dad like they, they had like this uh, this group of like a lot of these compilation albums that were from songs from the fifties and the sixties and that's where I think a lot of my sort of musical taste like really sort of started. I would listen to a lot of stuff from like, you know, like not not necessarily rockabilly, but like old time rock and roll, like Elvis Presley, you know, a lot of those songs and and then some stuff from the 60s as well. And that really like that just I love that music. And I think my mom really liked it, too, because she loved that music as well. And so it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. He really he's really digging these like these albums that I have that aren't necessarily like I remember the four seasons in the and you know, Frankie Bell and the four seasons. I love listening to that album a lot. So. And then she had the first, like, really popular record that I can remember was uh, John Cougar, American, American Fool. Fool. And that song, Hurt So Good, was just so memorable to me and Jack and Diane. And I just I just loved that that record for a long, long time. And it was the only one that we really had for a very long time. So... I don't know. I got. I think I got my sort of cut my teeth on just listening to like a lot of classic rock and the radio and stuff like that. And then obviously getting into stuff in the eighties when I was you know growing up. So. What was the first band that you were attracted to or identified with somehow? Maybe I think that it was. Um, it's it's hard to say for sure, but um, definitely obviously John Cougar Mellencamp made like an impression on me at that time, and then. Uh, my friend Travis and I, we used to listen to a lot of like sort of hard rock and metal as we got a little older, and and he was really into Motley Crue, and and then I became really into Motley Crue because I would listen to it all the time, and it was like, and it was definitely very something that I just really really loved, and then that sort of morphed from more like the the sort of hair metal or or heavy metal into like sort of thrash metal, and I became such a huge fan of Metallica like not long after that okay. and, and so that like and that's still like one of my favorite bands of all time and we recently got to see them in concert for the first time Yay. and it was magical just yeah. incredible <laughs> and we got the we were yeah we were yeah it was it was it was like transcendent really to be in that crowd whenever they were like just going crazy you know so. how I thought you were going to answer that question what's that I thought you were going to say Van Halen oh yes I forgot all about how do you forget I about forgot Van all about Halen. my favorite band oh <laughs> It's so true, though. It, it's so true. But it's like I think it all just sort of hit all at once. You know, it was like once once you started hearing like Motley Crue and Van Halen and everything like that. And, and then my dad really was the one that introduced me to, to Van Halen. In fact, it was my first concert that I ever went to huh. um, back when the Hagar days. I didn't get a chance to see uh, David Lee Roth until years later with, with Van Halen. And so and that's my really my favorite. The Van Dave days are, are definitely my favorite. <laughs> when you know, like when you got into Motley Crue and. That, that whole kind of vibe yeah. did it, you know it, it changed a lot of people's appearance yes. did it change your appearance it didn't <laughs> I, it didn't i i never had a problem with it of course but it was but i just was like no i never i never grew my hair long or did anything i think the most i did was like a mullet it was like growing up in like the country or something like that it's like I don't know. I just felt like I just kind of still was a bit more straight laced in a lot of ways, but I that was my sort of escape is to like listen to that sort of stuff. In rural Missouri in that era, were there kids that were going full on Motley Crue look or was that like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not I wouldn't say full on, but definitely like longer hair like and 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 sort of really getting into that vibe and I I like really 
love to like hang out with everybody at my high school. And, and that was the one thing that I really noticed that as I was getting older is like it, to me, it was more important to like connect with people in so many different ways and, and just find out like what they were inter- interested in and then like sort of like follow along with that. I like to just, you know, find out what everyone was doing. And sometimes like, you know, I played a lot of sports when I was a kid. And so, and then I played it quite a bit all the way growing up. And so it was just sort of like, you know, that was sort of my crew for a long, long time. And then as I got older, I realized it's like, there's so much more to life than just hanging out with the same guys all the time. It's like, you've got to like, you know, stretch out and like meet more people and, and learn more and, and find out more about their culture and like what they're really interested in. And so I don't know, it's like, it was, uh, it's a really cool thing to like hang out with those guys and, and get to know. And they, and they introduced me to a lot of music too. And that's so I think that helped me to branch out even did more. Did you play football? I did. I'm for guessing. A li- I did for a little while, but I actually didn't play much when I was in high school. I kept it more to like basketball and baseball was like really what I was into. Do you have memories of being on the team bus, heading to a game with everybody sitting there with their Walkmans on listening oh, to yeah, music? Oh yeah, totally. Actually, and, and I don't know if I ever told you, I, I probably told you this, but it's, but when we would go to games and a lot of times after, so we'd listen to the Walkmans and listen to our stuff and my everybody uh, getting in their vibe <laughs> right my, my pump up music was always like pantera and metallica and all that sort of stuff but after the games we would be riding on a bus be super dark on the way home and i would and i i don't know why i would just i think i would just be all keyed up from like playing and all that sort of stuff and we really kind of got in this habit where we would just start singing songs at that point. And I was sort of the one that was like leading the charge on that. And we would just sing like popular songs and I'd just start singing and then everybody else would. And it would be dark. So it was sort of like, you know, nobody can see who's actually singing. Yeah, you singing could kind of be like anonymous that. enough yeah. to maybe be a bit more daring. And that really stuck with me. Like that became almost like a little tradition. We really only do it when we won, you know. Not I was going to ask. I was <laughs> going to ask. <laughs> but when we won, it would always be – and I was just sort of like – like, wow. And I think that was the first time that I really realized how much I like singing, like, in public, even though I it was dark. And so maybe that's why I like dark karaoke, karaoke bars even more. So. <laughs> a little peek into the future of yeah, the karaoke but it question. Was, but I just realized. What would be a song that you would have sung, like, you would have led the led the team on? Oh, that's a during good that question. Era. Yeah, you would think that it would stick out more in my head, but I would just, I, I, I think it would just be like some of the popular stuff of the day. Or not, it'd probably more be more like 80s stuff that everybody knew. Like, yeah. Uh, um, I'm like maybe like bon, bon Jovi, bon Jovi. Or, yeah. exactly. You're right. Like living on a prayer and stuff yeah. like that. Cause that was, cause th- those were the ways that we would connect with all of our friends that maybe we didn't know as well right. or something like that. So yeah. And it would just be like, yeah, let's get something started. And then it would just be like, somebody, somebody call out another one and we'll start that one. And this was so much fun. Um, hmm. It was a blast. Do you remember the first music you owned? I think it actually was, um, the one that the first one that I, that I paid for was uh, Dr. Feelgood, uh, Motley Crue. Uh, the other ones, but like I just basically like made tapes from my friend Travis's because mm-hmm. he had like Shout Out the Devil. He had all that stuff already. But the one that I remember getting, the first CD that I ever remember getting, I got Aerosmith Pump and my brother – He's the one. He got the one that I wish I always said. This is the one I always wanted to say was my first CD, which was Guns N' Roses' "Appetite for Destruction," and he likes that music quite a bit, but he doesn't like it as much as I do. And I was like, we should have switched, yeah, because that's a much like I like Aerosmith, 
but that's a much better. That was jump the shark, Aerosmith. Like it that was. wasn't really <laughs> good, Aerosmith. Yeah, it yeah. was like mm. I know, but I, I was really into it. At the time. <laughs> it was that's, good. That's it what was, I'm saying. It was Jefferson Starship, Aerosmith. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's what I'm saying. Like I felt like good call. <laughs> I, that's exactly right. But I felt like it was like. This would have been such a better story if I had gotten that Guns N' Roses one. And it's, to this day, like one of my favorite albums. So it's just so funny, mm-hmm. I think. I uh, I went to a, like a birthday party in like eighth grade, and, and that was right when Motley Crue and all that stuff was blowing up. And all yeah. the cool kids wanted all that, and they were listening to it. And mm-hmm. I was just trying to find my way in, and I just... Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. Dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't work. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, either thematically or musically, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I appreciate it for what it was. You yeah, know, that was yeah. A, a very strong era in music for I, what it was. I think a lot of it was, you know, was obviously based on like my friends. You know, it's like yeah. like the first time that I ever heard Def Leppard was when a buddy of mine that lived down the road he got hysteria. And he said, you got to check out this album. It's incredible. Like, you know, I, I, the Pyromania was incredible. It's like, I can't wait for this one. And I was really blown away by it. And, you know, Pour Some Sugar on Me was so huge that summer. And we were just having such a blast. And But it wasn't until I really met you that I really, like, went back and listened to, like, Pyromania and, and, and really understood, like, how incredible that album is, even on a different level. And because that's such a big, you know, yeah, that was – I, I mentioned Duran Duran, Def Leppard, Duran Duran. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So – and then and then that got me really ex- excited about the whole Mutt Lang and producer thing. And oh, I yeah. went – I've gone down that rabbit hole a bunch of times. That's how, how, how much that Best guy's – Best rock producer. One, incredible. Him Mutt, and Todd Rundgren. Mutt Lang. Mutt Lang. So he did Back in Black. He did um, For Those About to Rock by ACDC. He did Highway to Hell. He did The Cars, um, Heartbeat City. He did uh, – Pyromania, hysteria. Pyromania, hysteria. And then he married Shania Twain and produced all of her really huge songs. I feel like I should know this person's name. You should. Well, I will now. That's the thing I learned Robert John Mutt Lang. He just revolutionized really like like the actual production of the music and like really had like this very unique way of like miking drums Mm -hmm. and and producing them. And you you hear it whenever you hear his his music. And it was just like, and and he, I mean, he rode these these bands to death, like to the point where they stopped working with them. But they have these, you know, iconic albums yeah. that they can like look back on. So hmm. he's you, he's kind of a recluse as well. So I, I and that Shania Twain thing is so cool. Like it's like he just married her, and then he just and he basically created "Pour Some Sugar on Me," but in country form. Yeah, I'm, any man of mine, I swear, is "Pour Some Sugar on Me." It's just the in same country, song. It's the same song. <laughs> yeah, so. Jared, pull up any, 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 what's it called? <laughs> any Man of Mine. Any Man of Mine by Shania Twain. Should we pull up, pour some sugar on me and play them both simultaneously? <laughs> Might have that to. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> this is my problem is that I start thinking about these tangents and they just start going off on them. No, no, I want to hear a little bit. That's what we're here for. <laughs> it's the drums. The drums. It's the drums. <laughs> and it's got that kind of almost rappy Pour beginning. Some love. sugar on right. me. Yeah. yeah, it's In right the there. In the name of love. Right? <laughs> I'm not 
not saying hey. it's the exact same song, but you it's, hear it. I hear right? it. It's the sound of the drum. It's, it's the, the, it's the tone. It's the it's yeah. the it's the shape of that sound. Yeah, that, that and and overlaps. and the beginning is almost like a a rappy, not quite rap, but the love me like a bomb, baby, come on, get it on. And then love she's like a, yeah. she starts the kind of the same way with that yeah. song. You know, it's yeah, okay. It's just cool. it's cool. Yeah, and I, I don't know, like it was when I started hearing all that, I started thinking, yeah, producers like have such a, an amazing like influence on the way the album is sort of done, and and the ones that like really like stand out at you, like uh, like Weezer's another really big band that I love, and Rick Ocasek, who you know I, I probably had a little bit of influence from Mutt Lang from when he worked with him when he was with the Cars, and then he was able to take a lot of those ideas and then put it into making Weezer such an incredible band there for a while. And, and he, I know he produced some other albums and stuff too. It was like so cool to like hear like how these things sort of come together. I love, I'm so glad I asked who was Mutt Lang. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Before we get to your song, did you play musical instruments? Did you, did, did, were they around you when you were a kid? Not when I, so when I was a kid, not so much, but when I got to, um, when I, when I started going to school, I went to a Catholic school in my hometown and, one of the nuns wanted to teach me how to play guitar. And then when I was – and so I tried doing that. I didn't – I kind of failed. Didn't really, uh, I don't think, adhere to like teaching or whatever, that sort of thing. But in third grade, I had another teacher who really could see like some musical like something in me or whatever. So he gave me like a little Casio keyboard and tried to teach me how to play that. And I held on to that a little bit more, but I really didn't learn how to play. But it did spark in me – like that, oh, I actually have some musical ability possibly. And then that's when I started singing more. And then I got the chance to sing with the Franklin Street Singers at the Truman State, at the Northeast Missouri State University at the time. And I got to sing We Are the World on stage in front of thousands of people mm. with them. And so that was like, that was really kind of a cool thing to be able to do. But um, so I played guitar for a little bit. I had that little piano. And then when I went to college, I started picking up the guitar and the bass again because, of course, I wanted to be in a band. And so I was Attract like, hey, if women. You, yeah, if you want to be in it, it's like, so I had these buddies <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're going to get a band together. We got a drum player. We got guitars. We don't have a bass player. It's like, I'll figure out how to play it. And so I <laughs> sort of taught myself how to play it on my own and see how it would work. And it was a lot easier, in my opinion, than like, and, and also like learning how to do it on your own. It's like, you kind of like stick with it a little bit more. Yeah. And then I picked up the guitar and tried to teach myself how to play on my own for a little while. Did that for a few years. And now they're just hanging up in your office. And you get you they get the look questions great all the time. in the background of like my uh, conference but one day, calls. One day, you know, hanging on one the wall. day again. Yeah, one day again, I'll probably pick it up again. Let's we'll hope so. That yeah. band have a name? Uh, the Flavor Tabs. The Flavor Tabs. It's really weird. <laughs> so we got the name. <laughs> we got the name. I think we were marketers From already. Dip sticks or whatever those. No, no, were it's oh, so, fun dip. <laughs> fun dip. No. Similar, Sim- similar. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I think we were all marketers at heart because we found these. These little tiny stickers that had that were in dog tablets. These were like dog, like sort of tablets of some sort, and they had these little stickers on them with a little dog on it, and it said "Flavor Tabs." And it's like we've got our own stickers now. We can just use these <laughs> and put them on our guitars, and we'll call ourselves the Flavor Tabs. 
The episode of this show that ran at 10, there was a guy in it who spent his life as a guitar tech for famous rock bands. Oh, wow. And he was in a punk band in the 80s called Yard Waste because they got a hold of a bunch of free stickers. Right. <laughs> and that's it's like it's like the marketing that's brain. That's so cool. But it's like the marketing brain already like kicking into high gear and it's like we don't even have to worry about buying stuff. We can just Give these out to what people. We don't chances. need merch. <laughs> That's yeah, we so don't need good. Merch. Okay, well, let's do your song then. Yeah. Uh, so when I was in uh, high school, I started really getting into alternative. We talked a little bit about that before the show. And we were talking about how, um, you know, like Nirvana was like really influential, the Foo Fighters, all that sort of stuff. And as I got more into alternative, I started realizing that, you know, a lot of this cool stuff is just like, you know, I'm really finding some really neat things or whatever. And I was really into comedy and all that sort of stuff. I didn't even mention this, but I watched Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. My, my, some of my first memories that my mom would talk with me about were like watching like King Tut and, and Steve Martin and everything like that. And so... I've always been a big fan of that. And so when I discovered this band with my cousin, we were like, you got to check out this album. It's called Fashion Nugget. It's like this really cool, you know, they got this really big song out called The Distance. It's really kind of neat. And it's just like so unique and different Mm -hmm. about this band and the way that, and the way that John McRae would like, like sing was just more, more like, like talking, but he was just, he wasn't a gifted, like, you know, like vocalist or anything like that. Wasn't going to sing opera. No, not at all. <laughs> but his lyrics were incredible and they were so like sardonic and just and just very ironic and I just it really tapped into like that comedic side that that I was really into. And then I was like, well, now I just got to devour their entire backpack catalog. It's sort of the same way with you and, and it's like I've got to find out more about this band. So I went back and listened to their first album which was very lo-fi and nobody really, I've never even heard of it. I've rarely ever seen it anymore. It's called Motorcade of Generosity. And this song, Rock and Roll Lifestyle, just so spoke to me about the poser culture that I felt like I was seen everywhere with alternative music. And it's like like people just being into it just to be into it and not like really like, you know, sort of getting into it as much as you wanted. So I don't know. I just, it really, really spoke to me. And I was like, this band is incredible. I love these guys. So I don't know. It's like, and I've, and ever since then, it's like I've been waiting for them to put out more and more albums, but they just have, they take it off. slow. They do. Yeah. They do. I think they're still, they're still playing because yeah. I just yeah. saw they, they, they are, I think they're even touring or more recently. Oh, touring. I hope so because they're, they're, they're yeah, another they band on my floor. bucket list they that I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen. I, I think we're going to have to go to Sacramento or whatever. <laughs> I got to see them in Orlando at oh, a club nice. Firestone, which yes. is a pretty small venue in yeah. like maybe 97. Oh. And it was so memorable. I'm so jealous. That's so cool. (laughs) Well, let's listen to it. Yeah. And then, yeah, the way you, uh, the way I describe Cake is, is they're one of those bands that you can hear like two seconds, name that tune, and it's a Cake song. They just have their own sound. Such a unique sound. You're right. Absolutely. All right. Rock and Roll Lifestyle by Cake uh, from their 1994 album, Motorcade of Generosity. This is Corey O'Donnell's song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. song (laughs) cake cake still on your rotation you got a cake youtube playlist or something oh yeah definitely um actually like i'll like move away from it for a while and then i'll get back into it and it's like what am i doing with myself it's like this is this is exactly the kind of stuff i want to listen to and it's like and 
I just love all of their stuff. It's just yeah, I I really felt like I found something whenever I whenever I discovered them. So I'm very thankful for my cousin for introducing me to them. <laughs> um, well, where did you fit in? You said you played sports in high school. Yes. Were, was that were you all in with the jock kids, or did you bleed around into other social strata? I like to bleed. Like it took me a while to realize the benefit of bleeding around into social strata, <laughs> um, because I hung out with my my jock friends from when I was a just a little kid. Like we just played baseball together all coming up through uh, school. And so I would, and so I was always hanging out with them on, in the summers and everything like that. But it wasn't until I felt like there was a you know real music connection with you know helping me to expand my horizons and and think more outside of my little home small town that I you know grew up in. I think I really benefited also from having a college in my small town. You know, it's like it opened my eyes to like art and different kinds of you know culture that I didn't really uh, understand you know before, but. Uh, I don't know. I just I felt like once I uh, you know started listening to some of this music, it's like man, I I really like doing like drama. I like acting. I like directing. I like doing that sort of thing. I wanted to be a filmmaker when I was a kid, and it's like I'm not going to do that if I'm just hanging around with these same guys all the time. So I started like you know getting back into drama a little bit too late in high school, but man, it really it was so fulfilling in order for me to do that and. Uh, I I did like this thing called Boy State. You might remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't do it, but I had some kid friends that did it. Yeah, so I did that my between my junior and senior year, and that sort of I I got a, my first sort of taste of what college was going to be like, and I was like, man, I've really got to like change some of the ways that I do things if I'm going to succeed at college or or get to know other people. It's like these some of these guys This could like, be like a commercial for Boy State. <laughs> it really well and I, I was I was actually surprised. This my part mom, of the podcast brought to you by Boy State. <laughs> but it was just so funny. It's like my mom dropped me off for that and she's you know and she said the difference between you from that week you know, and then when I picked you up the next week, you were so motivated and so like you just there was like a switch like went off or whatever. And it made me think it's like I've got to get, you know, I've got to meet more people. I've got to do more things. And I, I don't know. It sort of set me on a good path and, and sort of I think where I'm at kind of now, which is good, you know. And so I don't know. I just was thinking about that. and I was like, yeah, that was really kind of a catalyst for all that sort of thing. So, yeah, but but definitely wanting to meet like more more people and. And learn more about like what you know what made them tick and everything like that. Was so. there a, a a path that you saw in terms of like what you hoped to do when you were older? Was it were you still like thinking you were going to be a creative somehow, or you know how did it work? Yeah, well, I I had I I obviously had no idea what I really wanted to do because when I got to college, I think I changed my major like four or five times. What was the first one? <laughs> Biology pre med. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, like shoot for the moon, right? Yeah, it's like did and then, you just pull that out of a hat? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I I think it was that whole. It's like I've got to you know get motivated and everything like that. And so I thought, well, if I want if I'm going to college, I might as well like you know I want to be a doctor. I want to help people and all that sort of stuff. And then I was like, eh, you I'm don't not just put strong... a coin in and get a degree. You got to right. do all the yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's like I'm not as strong in the sciences as I probably should be, you know. And so then I started moving more into like you know like the communications and all that sort of stuff. But I think I did psychology for a little while too, but I was, a, I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But the thing that I remember much is how much I love mu- movies and, and music, but movies like really, you know, spoke to me and I wanted to be a filmmaker for a long, long time. And so when I got to school, I started like, you know, 
go, doing communications. And then I, when I got to Warrensburg, it's got a great like TV and radio program or whatever. And so I wanted to do that. So that's sort of the path that I went down. Did you ever make any short films or anything? I did. And when I was, so I, I was actually a broadcasting and film major at uh, Central Missouri. And so I made some short films. And one of them was, uh, I made a short film to Foo Fighters, My Hero. And it was, again, I, my comedic side or me coming out and I made a film basically with that whole music and uh, as the underbed. And then I just had a guy that would just go around and help people. Like, so he'd be running and jogging down the street and he'd see somebody with their hood up, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong with them. And he'd grab like their diet or their Coke or whatever and just pour it on the battery thing. And then it's like, hey, it started working again. Huh. So <laughs> I was just trying to make my own like little music video or uh-huh. whatever. And so, yeah. And so and running by a guy who's playing chess with another guy and he makes the right move and gets the checkmate. It's like, oh yeah. So it's just, I just I got a chance to like really do some fun comedy films and little stuff like that. Nothing, and, nothing full length. And we were in a movie that was in we a film were. festival. We were. We were both in a movie. Like when when we we yeah. had a coworker yeah. who uh, wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah, he's now an airline pilot. Yeah. What where else? where and when was this? This was in Kirksville, Missouri, when yeah. we both worked at KTVO, which is the ABC affiliate there. Okay. Um and And it was his dream to make a movie. And so he was like, I've got some like minded people that I'm working with now and it's like I scratch so, yeah, a little the money. The whole cast together. was people who worked on the production crew. Yeah, he was the meteorologist. Yeah, but it was all people who worked on the production crew. And I think it was before I started working on air, and it was. Oh yeah, it was not good. But it wasn't awful. It was fun. We have it on VHS somewhere. Yeah, I haven't watched it really. It's in my. The it's it's your IMDb of, credit. It is my IMDb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's was, absolutely right. What was it called? K three TV, the story of KTVO, and it was. Basically, like a look at one the the first day that the the station goes on air. Fictionalized. Fictionalized. It was like the office before the office. It kind of was, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it was it was like you know made in the fifties. It was black and white, and I was the lead of the movie. You were, Um, yeah. And uh, it was just kind of a fun little thing to do. And, And it was my first time. Like I'd always wanted to to sort of direct a movie. But I had a little bit of acting chops, I thought. So he was like, yeah, you could play the leading man. So I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And so it was a lot of fun. So if you guys – how long have you guys been together? Like Together, you, you, well, but, 21 but, but years. But you both came here together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I saw different – no, same date. Sorry. Bounced, I I bounced around dates. the country a little. But, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. met in Missouri. We moved to Georgia. Then we moved to Florida. Yep. Yep. That's that's basically the story. What brought you to Florida and had you been here before? My job at Wink uh, because we were both working in television. Right. I um, had been here before on vacation and the year before we moved down here permanently, uh, we did like a spring training tour through Florida when we were living up in Georgia. And we stopped in Fort Myers. I interviewed at one of the stations and I was like, this, you know, just in g- general, the, it rained like the whole time that we it were did. here. So it really shouldn't have been all that good, but it was like, this is kind of a cool state, you know? It was like, we might want to, like, consider this for our next job or whatever. And then, what, eight months later, you got a job offer? Yeah. Sports reporter? Yep. Weekend sports anchor, sports reporter. Yep. All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Hey, I bet the two Super Bowls. You can't. That's right. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, actually. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's awfully nice to, you know. 
not do that now. Yeah, yeah no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. And what, what did you do when you first came down? So when I first came down here, I was like a I, – I used to be a commercial, like, director, producer or whatever. And then when I first moved down here, I was working for the Fox affiliate and I was doing – the promos that you would see on air. So like the coming up at, that, a, yeah, at coming, 10, coming up at 10, you know, and all that sort of stuff and, and just putting those together. And that was a lot of fun. I get to sort of still do some of my filmmaking type stuff, but you know, still working in TV. And it's, I always said that um, when I did commercials, it's like, I never knew what my client wanted because they were like somebody different all the time. But when I worked for the TV station, it's like my client was my boss. And yeah. it's like, as long as it made him happy, then I was good. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I have to just – this is going to be a quick aside or a quick – we're leaping into the future or the present now. Oh. What's the music scene like in the villages? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this DJ in the villages. So so to, to back up a little bit, I work remotely, but uh, I work for a clinic in the villages and I'm up there maybe once a month. Um, Describe the villages to our listeners who aren't from Florida who may not know what the villages true. is. The villages is the world's largest retirement community. Um, it is a series of and, – and rapidly growing series of kind of small uh, – what do they call them? Like um, like Celebration or Babcock Ranch or, or Ave Maria. S- small little towns. Little like planned communities. Planned yes, communities. Like, yeah, Thank yeah. you. I, words are good. I don't have them all the time. <laughs> um, but it, it is a series of planned communities and each one has a theme. And the one that I work closest to is um, – well, in – is Brownwood Paddock. And so the little downtown area kind of looks like the set of the movie Blazing Saddles. Nice. Um, and so I, the, the village's music scene is a guy named DJ Scooter. <laughs> and everybody in the village's loves DJ Scooter. Like if you have an event and you say DJ Scooter is going to be playing music, people show up. Instantly, like hundreds of people. Yeah. And he's just a cheesy DJ like he's good but I mean he's like a he's like a wedding DJ is he like a resident of the villages who's living out his DJ dreams uh, maybe I, I've never actually <laughs> seen the man I just I just know the legend that is DJ scooter but um so each of the villages has a town square and you have 55 and over, basically. I think the average age is about 65. Um, But each of the villages has a town square, and every night around 5 o'clock, stuff happens at the town square. So it might be a band. It might be DJ Scooter. um, It might be line dancing. Mm. It might be, you know, whatever it might be. And people come out to it because it's just – it's it's a very – it, the sense of community in the villages is very, very, very strong because people move there from from everywhere to retire. There's tens of thousands of clubs in the villages, yeah. and like it's it's a unique place. I don't think that I want to live there. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like, fault anyone for wanting. Yeah, to no, there. no. I mean, there's I, something it, going on every night. It sounds yeah. great for for a lot of people, probably. Yeah. and everything. Like, closes I would at rather nine. be in Montana on 300 acres. There sure. you go. <laughs> everything in the villages closes at nine. Like even the world of beer closes at nine. Yeah. Hmm. So, 
I just had to ask. Yeah. Sidewalks roll. I only know the villages by reputation, so I figured I'd get a little firsthand data. And it, it well, and she's some, never seen. You haven't really. Seen I have yet to see a loofah, a loofah on a golf cart. On a golf cart, which is. Heard, I've heard the yeah. rumors. The rumors of the the, the code. Mm-hmm. Right, but I'm always looking. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a bummer that she never sees. If them. I ever yeah. see one, I'll take a picture. I'll send yeah. it to both of you. There you go. Do you have a golf cart? No. No. In the villages, they're called golf cars. Golf cars. Yeah, because nobody drives an actual car. Yeah, they just take those. There was a, a, a documentary I'm yes, quoting yes, yes. about the villages that was very disappointing to me because it didn't really tell me anything. It was oh. just like they just found a weirdo and followed a weirdo around, and, and it was like this is the villages. And it was like no, this one guy lives in a van. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. It's worth a visit. It really is. It's worth a visit. I'm glad you said that because I'm a big documentary guy, and if I found one, I'd probably be excited. And so now I don't no, even have give to it worry a pass, about it. Give yeah, it a pass. Just pass on it. Okay. Before we get to your your joint song. Um, concerts. When was the last time you guys, you said you saw uh, Metallica? Yeah, we saw Metallica at Rockville last year. They, so they played two different nights. They played two sat, different sets. Two, two different, different sets. Nights. Yeah, the, the last set was the, well, it was a black album, the entire, like backwards or whatever. So it was like so cool. Huh. Um, yeah, just the, the idea of even getting to see them once would have been great. But the, I got to see them two different nights was pretty awesome. But we just recently did. Uh, did the uh, Audacity Beach Festival? Odyssey, yeah, Beach yeah, Odyssey, Festival. Aud- yeah, not Audacity. I've got that in my head because of the Cause, audio. Because you edit platform. your podcast exactly, on it. right? Exactly, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but we got to see like a lot of cool bands there. We got to see Muse and and Jack White, and we'd seen Jack White before, and and. Uh, uh, Phoenix and who else? Jimmy, Jimmy World. World. Oh gosh, yeah. It's, who it's, you had seen, but I hadn't. Yeah, yeah. So. so it was, and it was fun. It was right on Fort Lauderdale Beach. It's like I'm going back to this festival again. This it was, was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So we try to get to concerts, you know, a couple times there's, a year. Yeah, there's a couple on my radar that are coming up that I want to go to. Okay, so, good. Like what? Yeah. Um, so Jeff Tate, who was the lead singer of Queensrÿche, again, yeah. love my hair metal. Yeah. Um, he is playing in Fort Myers, and it says Jeff Tate performing the songs of Queensryche. So okay. it's not going to be some yeah, weird yeah. solo stuff. And he's got an amazing, he's got like an eight octave range. He has this amazing Incredible voice. voice. I don't know if he still does. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> so that's one of them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, favorite concert or most memorable concert or one that I that leaps to mind when I ask that oh, question? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so, so I used to work at an arena. I worked at the Palace of Auburn Hills. So I saw a lot of concerts mm-hmm. for free. Or got paid to work a lot of concerts. So um, I, I gosh, there's so many. Um, you know what? I think concert experience. The first festival we ever went to was Music Midtown when we lived in Georgia. It was in Atlanta. They did it in this big Midtown Park, yeah. Piedmont Park, mm-hmm. and it was two or three days. And we saw every every stage was different. So there was a country stage, there was a rock stage, yeah. there was an alternative stage. So we saw Devo, we saw the Killers, we saw the Pixies. Uh, Tom Petty, Def Leppard, Robert Randolph. All Joan Jett. Joan Jett's Block Party when they first came out. It's like, yep. it's just um, so cool. Yeah, it was, it was like a really just great experience. Yeah. So much fun. Oh, White Stripes. White Stripes, yeah. Uh, the Killers. Did you, did you mention I said that? the Killers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or, or always listening. <laughs> uh, the Pixies at that tri- at that trip too. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun because it's like it's all sort of jam packed. Oh, we also saw uh, Metal Monday, oh, which yeah, was Metal like this Metal Monday, which is which is apparently I don't know if they still do it or not, but it was a live band karaoke thing that happened in Atlanta, 
and they would they at were the same give, bar every Monday. Yeah, right. And so they were giving people an opportunity to come up and sing with the band whatever song they wanted to. And we saw this like Asian guy who uh, did, he he worked he, at CNN. Worked at CNN, <laughs> and he I can't what who, and English was not his original language, and he performed "Pour Some Sugar on Me," and it was possibly the most entertaining phenomenal. thing I've ever seen in my life phenomenal and it just blew was, everybody off the stage and it was so cool to see somebody like interact with a live band that way well that's it that live band karaoke we're karaoke nerds as yes. you'll find out soon um but that live band behind you turns you into a different person uh-huh. yeah rather than just having like a screen with the lyrics on it you yeah know, you've got a band perform like people were Front like man. doing doing big high kicks and strutting around like mick jagger and <laughs> you know and they performed like seven or eight times at this festival so whenever there wasn't a band we wanted they were to see like were the like, house band kind of or they yeah. totally yeah, they totally we go was, over to their stage and watch them and it yeah, was great it was a lot of fun uh, I, I i've never been because i'm a hermit but um uh, um, um nice guys pizza out in cape coral <sighs> yes. they do, oh, they do the punk, punk rock, rock karaoke. karaoke it seems like kind of maybe up your uh, alley well yeah and we go to nice guys all the time we but we've need, never been there we for that. gotta do that sometime yeah. we love that place okay um before we get to your third song mm. uh let's let's hear a little bit of your podcast Oh, um, I just pulled up. Oh boy. A, I just pulled up a random episode. Okay. and dove in and grabbed a basically random bite. Like I chose two minutes and then I cut it down to where it kind of starts and stops. So okay. I don't even really know exactly what we're going to hear, other than the beginning and the Neither mystery. do we. <laughs> okay. Oh, and by the time this comes from the, the the episode called "Border Battle: Sex, Toy Shoplifting, Crack Pipe in the Crack, Kangaroo on the Run." Okay. Lovely. Well, I get excited too crossing into Canada, but this seems a little extreme. Uh, was he worried that the Tim <laughs> Hortons was going to close love down. Oh, They're bits. so incredible. I mean, I really love Tim Bits too, and I love Tim Hortons. <laughs> and I'd probably still stop for the border. My thought is, you know, he probably was at the falls. There's all that rushing water. Oh yeah. He probably had to pee really badly and That'll was just driving super fast to try and find Tim Hortons to use the bathroom. Right. Yeah. That's got, my theory. I think that's a good theory. <laughs> but why bite the nurse? I mean, are we sure the bath salts aren't involved here? I mean. That brings out the zombie and all. Okay, we get a little context-free podcast. Yeah, Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. But I do remember the story. I remember the story. Well, I didn't, and I didn't think about it this way. But bath salts and donuts—you got sweet and salty. You know, not not the not the worst combination. You know, maybe maybe it worked out good for him. I don't know. So, Florida's freak show Uh podcast. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about making it and like how it came to be. Yeah, you want to go? Uh, you can go. Yeah. So uh, we had all, we had started Florida Freak Show uh, about 10 years before as like a little Twitter account. You when know. Twitter first came out and wasn't what it is now. Yeah. But because <laughs> we both worked in TV, we would always, uh, you know, you just sort of get like this sort of morbid, you know, sense of humor that you do when you work in TV. And sometimes like stories that are, you know, actually pretty awful or whatever that sort of thing just sort of tickle you because you see them all the time or whatever that sort of thing. And Florida has its own brand of weird news that they constantly put out all the time. Yeah, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody Not at all. Like shouldn't be. In Florida or not in Florida. Florida's got a lot of weird news. Because of the open public records laws, it just like everything gets out there. It's always available. So – we started doing like a Twitter account where we would just sort of find these ones that just really like tickled us or were just very odd or uh, weird in some way. And then we started tweeting those out. So at some point, you know, we stopped really sort of doing it. Like yeah. we, we did like, it for maybe a year. Yeah. Then, yeah a couple of years. It, it did okay or whatever, but you know, it was just like whatever we do. And so, so uh, when the pandemic hit, 
we uh, both lost our jobs and we were like looking for something to sort of, you know, occupy our time or whatever. And keep we us like, from going crazy, we were basically, like, or, we, or we killing been, each other. Right. We had been talking <laughs> for a long, long time about um, about getting into this sort of podcast thing and, and maybe do, doing one. And it's like we should resurrect the whole freak show thing because we've got like this endless reservoir mm-hmm. of like weird news that we can sort of talk about and make fun of and, you yeah, know, Yeah, and weird things were still happening during the pandemic. Like nobody was leaving their yeah. house except for, you know, the people who were trying to. Got to make this news. Rob Banks oh. <laughs> with a pair of underwear on their head or whatever, you know. Right. So, you know, we got a little Zoom recorder. We got a couple of mics and we started like in the TV side of us or whatever, like reform, like made this format, you know, that sort of I thought worked kind of well and did it and it was so much fun and we still have a little bit of fun with it. We we kind of go on hiatus every once in a while, Understood, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh but it's always there in the back of our mind and you know we, we we're looking we're always looking for a time when it's not not like super super busy where we can get back to doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, we just had like a real a lot of fun doing it. It was a labor of love, but um what do you think? Yeah, no, we, we, we really should do more episodes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what we're here for. We're here to encourage production. This is good. This is good. No, we, this is good. Yeah, and, and we, we just recently did one just sort of talking about, you know, our experience with the hurricane and everything like that. And I, it did, like, sort of tickle the bug a little bit again. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably resurrect it again soon. I just had an idea for, a, like, Ooh. a movie or something. Oh. Yeah. Okay, uh, some state that that wants more residents or they need to raise their profile. Mm-hmm. The, the the tourism bureau lobbies the government to create a sunshine law so they'll be in the news nationally mm-hmm. more, ah. and they can become like Montana man. There so. you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm convinced that every state that is what is the root of the Florida man. I mean, yeah. you know, I think we are generally weirder than most other states, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Like if if the if the if the gloves were off everywhere, it may be that there's just that much weird crap. I tend to agree with you. I, I think that there is a special a special way about Florida, but I think we'd see a lot more of this stuff. If, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if yeah. it was available. Okay, it is time for your your duo song. Oh, oh yeah, your song together. How would you like to handle this? That's a uh, so we should probably handle it together like we do whenever we do karaoke. <laughs> yeah, so this is our karaoke song. Oh. This is our go-to karaoke song that we do together. We have a couple of different ones that we do, but this is the one that is not just a fan favorite and a favorite of all of our family and friends, but it's also one that we really like to do a lot. So so I'm not a good singer. I I used to be decent. This is not I don't, true. I don't sing really anymore, like mm-hmm. not even in the car. And so, you know, I'm not a decent singer anymore. Corey's a very good singer. But between the two of us, she can read music and I can't. So, yeah, so I think between, uh, you know, we, we're the that, yin and the yang. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, we do karaoke a lot. And mm-hmm. when we worked in TV, you know, you get off work at 1130, midnight, whatever, after the newscast, and you're keyed up, right? It's the end of the day. So we would always go out and we would end up going to Mona Lisa's. I was going to guess that. Which was kind of the media hangout. (laughs) Mike knows Mona Lisa's good. He had co-workers uh, that that worked on air at Fox 4 that DJed Yeah, it was like if you worked in TV, you were probably going to be a DJ at uh, at, Mona Lisa's. Yeah, there was a guy at ABC7 that was. There were a couple guys that you worked with that were. Yep. So so it just kind of became the media hangout. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, we, we were there about four to five nights a week. We we always say we used to get our mail there, basically. We did. You could, and, we and, were and always if, there. If there was ever a manhunt, we would probably be found. We knew all the there. regulars. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a a great fun place to go. And the best part about going to a karaoke bar all the time, whenever you get the opportunity is on the nights when it's really slow, you could start having fun with it and like have theme nights with all of your friends that would go. So it's like, we're going to do pr- only Prince songs tonight. Yeah, you we'd know, go Tuesday we're... night and and pick a theme. Yeah. One Hit Wonders or Prince or um, yeah. songs from movies or, yeah. you know, what whatever it might be. You guys are our karaokeist <laughs> guests so far. This is great. I love it. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and we don't even do it all that much anymore, you know, but when we do, it's we kind of go all out. The so. last time for, you, for both of us was on a cruise. Yep. And Just a pro- couple of months ago. Yeah, probably another reason why we like doing cruises because you <laughs> always usually have always karaoke, karaoke there. And it's like – and it's a new audience. They don't know who we are. So we get to – If I'm terrible, nobody exactly. – I'm never going to see them again. Yep. Was B-52 in this song Love Shack always the song that you did right from the beginning or did it kind of coalesce into that over the time? I think it was pretty early on, right? I maybe I don't I don't remember the first time we ever I did it. I just remember the most memorable time we oh, ever yeah. sang. Well, it. let's talk about that. Uh, oh, so so when we got married, yeah. this is seventeen. I should know this years ago, mm-hmm. nope, right? Nope. Yep. Sixteen. 17? What? 15. Fifteen. Never More mind. More than a we, decade. We moved yeah. here seventeen <laughs> years ago. Yes. We got married 15 and a half years ago. Yes, correct. Um, So uh, we had – we got married down here. Uh, We'd lived here for a couple of years or a year Mm -hmm. and a half or so. And so we decided we'd just have all of our families come down here. It wasn't a big wedding. Yeah. um, But between our families and our coworkers, it it was a decent crowd. Right. And we had had one reception on a little riverboat, Mm -hmm. which was just family and like the wedding party and that was it. Then we had a second reception in the old church that is now the Laboratory Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all of our coworkers. And then yep. at the end, it was kind of like, well, everybody, we're going to Mona Lisa's. So this we. Big caravan yeah, of cars convoy. just basically <laughs> just start heading down uh, US 41 and just like pull into Mona's and it's a Saturday night. So Mona's is already hopping at this point. And then we probably bring another what, 70, 70 people. people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Joe was very Dressed happy. for wedding. Yeah, hey, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe paid our bill that night. He did. So he ours, did. not everyone's. Yes, he was um, very, very yeah, sweet. I'm in my yeah. wedding dress. You're in your tuxedo. The wedding yep. party's there. Yep. The, the family of out-of-town folks. You're... We smuggled in your 14-year-old sister at the time. Mm, yep. Um, so. We did a couple of different songs. You know, I, I did a duet with uh, my, one of my best men. We did Ace of Spades together. My and, Motorhead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time that we'd ever done karaoke together. It was like, let's go, you know, all the way. Like, let's just do something fun, you know, or whatever. And then we did We did Love, Love Shack. Shack. Yeah. yeah. And it was a, we had definitely done the song before. Yeah. Um, and it's a fun little song. Yeah. Um, but... To this day, like his mom, my friends, my family, the, every time they hear the song, we're like, we heard Love Shack and we thought of your wedding. Oh. And it was so much fun. Yeah. You know, it's always we heard Love Shack and we thought of your wedding. So when we have friends and family come into town or we did go to uh, Mona Lisa's now or whatever, that's always the one that they want to hear. And it's we it's, have some other good ones. Yeah, we, I think we're we pretty knock good. Mr. Roboto out of the park. Yeah, yeah, that could have easily been this this choice instead. Or, or you know, we've done "Don't You Want Me" by Human League together, mm-hmm. and uh, never really done too much from Greece. You know, surprisingly, no. um, or we never did 
Paradise by the Dashboard Light as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but Love Shack just there's something about this song that's just it's just so infectiously fun, and it's and I, I think the reason that I like it so much is the guy who's in the B-52s just has this weird, weird voice. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun to sing yeah, this we, way. Yeah, we have this weird thing we that, we do, thing that we do on road trips. weird thing that we do on road trips where we will sometimes say, what would this song sound like if the B-52s did it? <laughs> um, so we will do like, cut my life in two pieces. This, this is, is my last, last resort. resort. Yeah. <laughs> Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give a fork. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah. We just have such a blast doing that it's like we'll just take some song and just like what would it sound like if that dude did this song and we have seen the b-52s in concert we saw them at universal did they recognize you for your karaoke fame they they should have pulled us up on stage and had us sing along but they didn't that would have been great it was it was a fun show though yes well let's listen to it imagine y'all with your wedding party (laughs) packed into mona lisa's um and by the way, we've threatened over the years to do a karaoke party for all our past guests. Oh. And I think we need to make you guys be the lever to make that happen. You guys I'm can in. be like, you can help, help us organize it. Hey, there's a lot of good guests that have been on your podcast. Okay. And I would we'll, love we'll to see talk them do after karaoke. The show, but until then, this is Corey and Kirsten's song today on uh, Three Song Stories. It's Love Shack by the B 52s from their 1989 album, Cosmic Thing. So that song is longer than I remember it being. <laughs> um, not that it was too long or anything like that, but, uh, you know, are you totally, like, into it? And so by the end, are you sort of worn out? You know. <laughs> well, maybe one of the reasons why people like it so much is because I kind of go a little crazy during that song. I, I get I get to really – because that guy's voice is so unique and it's so easy and fun and silly to do, I just get silly when I do it. And it's I, hard not to. And I think it's also because when we do – when a lot of times it's a lot of coaxing for you to be able to go up there and do that with me or a lot, a lot of, of liquid, liquid courage. courage. So it's like I'm trying to like bring it out in, in her even more by just being silly so that she can just get silly too. So so I relax. Yeah. And you yeah. lean in you like because you really – because there's some leaning in um, available with yes, that song. Absolutely. Well, totally. like, like I said, we've done Mr. Roboto yeah. at karaoke. You know, again, yeah. a lot of liquid courage. But that's a good one. It you know, is that's a, lot a fun, of fun one and it's very silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned that you have a, have a list of karaoke songs that's 500 songs long. It's really, really long. It's on my phone. It's, and every time I, how like, often do, do you put songs on scroll. it? We'd be driving down the road and be like, ooh, I got to add that yes. to my karaoke list. That's yes. exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. That song was it just the other day. I was like, you should do that song at karaoke sometime. Oh, I am blanking on it. It's probably on my list, though. Right. Um, yeah. I, I should pull it out so I can take a look at it real quick. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Gosh, what was it? It was it was and it was a really good idea too. I I can't remember. I Will it be at the bottom of the either. list? Presumably. No, no. A lot of times I'll put them closer to the top because I don't want to forget about uh-huh. them, you know. I think I think one that I did like not not that recently, but it's like, you know, it's uh, Billy Joel like still rock and roll to me. That's such a fun song to do. And I did that like when I was in Missouri, like visiting family or whatever, and that one went instantly on my list because I was like, that's a fun song to do. That's another thing is like I'll, I also have this like weird thing about where if if I know that I'm going to do karaoke, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do a couple of songs a night. So the first song has to be something that's right in my range 
so that I can sort of warm my voice up <laughs> and then I can do something like that's like maybe a little out of my range, like a little high or a little too low or something like that. So it gets He's me going. He's very systematic about it. I am, it. yeah. He's very, yes. So sort of a, a lot of times my first song will be like Love Me Two Times by the Doors because I can sing that one sort of in my sleep. Uh-huh. And it's like it just gets me like, all right, now my voice is warmed up. Now I can do something like Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And I can hit those high notes that, that Freddie's so I like how well your voice kind of crackles. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's what ends up happening whenever I do that song, no do, matter do, what I do. Uh, do they have cake on the on the machine? They do. So, yeah, they do. Yep. I've done The Distance there before. Never. Did, I don't think I've ever done Rock and Roll Lifestyle. That would have been kind of a fun one to do. Frank Sinatra I've done before. It's, yeah, they've got a big... A big list there, so I haven't done karaoke for so lo- karaoke for so long that yeah. you know I'm sure it's so much more modern and you know you do it uh, honestly. Yeah, I don't, back then it was like you know they had a machine, it had a certain list of songs. Now it's probably they got the internet. They you know, yeah, they can download they anything. anything yeah, right? they can pull down yeah. anything. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot better. I remember when we were going to Mona Lisa's a lot. It was. They had like this big database, you know, like this big desktop computer. And I think one time it like went down and we thought, they're going to lose all their songs. It's not good at all. What are we going to do? Where am I going to go the next day? Uh, okay. You guys ready for speed round? Sure. Sure. Okay. We're going to – it's going to be like you and you and then you and you and you and you. All right. And like a, like a, snake, a snake draft. draft. Okay. Oh, God. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> Jinx. Wow. You both owe me a Coke. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you would be willing to share? I really don't. Okay. I, I don't. I can't think of one. Nope. Corey? Um. Uh, uh, I was the Russian for a long, long time when I played soccer when I was a kid because that was what the other kids called me because I'm a big guy and I was a big kid and I looked like I was from, I guess, the Soviet Union and I was also, you were also intimidating. very intimidating and I, it was around the time of Rocky IV, so Ivan Drago. So I was going to make called, a Drago yeah. joke. If it <laughs> so they called me they called me the Russian or whatever because they had like some sort of issue and my, one of my buddies, uh, Jeremiah, he just loved it. So he called me Russian for the longest time after that. I actually really kind of liked it. I didn't stick past soccer, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we could always revive it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Those be done, yeah. That's what happens, though. In the Cold War, it's like you got to find something, right? Did you ever say, I you know, I will crush you or whatever? I must break you. I must break you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. If you were a championship wrestler, what would your song that you would come in on be? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good – oh, um – Oh jeez. You know, I I'm totally pulling this from the movie The Wrestler that uh, mm, uh yeah, but good movie. but yeah, like Balls to the Wall by Accept was such an incredible song that he came out to and I thought that's so cool. It's like that would be like a fun one, but I don't know. Other other than that, I mean, I'm totally stealing one though. No idea. Oh, um oh, maybe Maybe Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. Okay. It's got nice. Or The Trooper. Oh, yeah. That would be really good, too. No, that's really good. Up the irons. You can never go wrong with that. If you were a cocktail or drink of some kind that was like that represented a distilled essence of you, not just like what you like to get lubricated up on for karaoke. If I. Wait, rephrase. If a, if a bartender made a drink that was called a Kirsten O'Donnell, 
because it somehow oh, this captured is unfair your spirit. Because he has a drink that basically is his spirit. Um, it would probably have um, ooh. I don't I, mm, Tito's. I mean, it would have to have Tito's in it. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, I. Mm, that's a really hard question, Mike. Well, give us your easy answer while you so, continue to think. So, um, so I'm a big fan. Like my my cousin Marty, he lives down here, and he and he made these really incredible drinks that I was just like, oh, these things are so good. And it was basically a cranberry, and he put Ciroc in it, um, and then like it was a little the amaretto Ciroc, amaretto Ciroc, and then a little splash of orange juice, and they were just so good whenever he would make those. But I decided that I wanted to make something, and I was like, it's very similar to like a Cape Cod, you know, in a way, but it was with a different kind of thing. So I was like, I want to make a drink that's, um, when I was working for the news press, I did like a newsletter every week for the for Cape Coral, and I started calling myself Cape Corey because we live in Cape Coral, and we love Cape Coral, and so I would talk about that sort of thing. So I was like, I want to make a drink called the Cape Corey, and it's going to be similar to a Cape Cod, and much like my cousin Marty's drinks, but instead it will be um, Wicked Dolphin Rum. Coconut rum, coconut, coconut rum from, you know, because we're representing Cape Coral when we're doing this. Local and distillery. That's, that's right. right. Yep. Yep, exactly. And so with a little bit of cranberry, with cranberry and then a splash of orange juice. And so that was my, I, so the first time that I um, talked about it with a bartender, I was like, I want you to make a Cape Cory. And she's like, what the heck is that? It's like. Why wouldn't you know this? I kept trying to get him to drop the name like every bar we went to order a Cape Corey until it finally just becomes this thing that everybody knows. But we never quite got around to that. It never did. But we're working our (laughs) way up towards it. But now it's like my drink of choice. So cranberry with a splash of orange juice. And it's got to be Wicked Dolphin coconut rum. But you could use any coconut rum if you wanted to. But come on. It's got to be. You finalize your answer yet? I I have not finalized my answer, but I'll give you kind of – it would have to be sweet but also spicy, right? Okay. Oh, right. That's what we're going for Jalapeno, um, but maybe also like like a – I can't drink margaritas because they upset my stomach because of all the, you know, a little too tart. But, but you know, like a jalapeno margarita type thing, you know, something along those lines. Sweet and spicy. I actually had a drink with a jalapeno in it last night and it had coconut rum and Ooh. I don't remember what else. Wow. It was tasty though. Yeah. Well, you're like a big Bloody Mary person. Oh, I love a Bloody Mary. Yeah. Spicy. Yeah. Got to be spicy. What would your drink be called? He's the Cape Cory. Yours can be the Cape Kirsten. I mean, I guess it could. <laughs> I guess it doesn't have the same ring to it. Though, a spicy right? lady? There you go. Spicy lady. Yeah, I don't know. Spicy. Um, song you wish you could hear again for the very first time. Oh, wow. Um, gosh, these questions are so good. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say "Shoot to Thrill" by ACDC. It's off of one of my favorite albums, "Back in Black." I never get sick of hearing that song. It's like it just when it comes on, I just get so excited, and it would be so cool to hear that again. I remember the first time that I actually heard the album. I was it was playing on a tape deck in uh, my buddy. My my cousin Gavin, who was a good friend or whatever, he had this really great friend who like he was a little older than us, so he could dr- cart us around in his Mustang, and he had it, and it was so cool to listen to that song in an old Mustang, you know, and everything like that, and it was just like, man, this song, hmm. this this album is so cool. So yeah, that might be it. I think um, 
Rio by Duran Duran. Okay. See, I'm not all hair metal. Right. Um, Yeah, no, Rio by Duran Duran. I just, I love the harmony and the chorus. I love... The, the sort of uh, rhythm of it. It's it's almost like got a Latin groove to it mm-hmm. at the very beginning with the drums and the bongos and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that one. Nice. Any songs you'll avoid listening to? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I get sick of songs that get overplayed. And then sometimes I'll come back to that. Like I hated, I hated Come On Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners when I was, <laughs> you know, a teenager. Oh, I loathed that song just because it was so overplayed. Now I love it. It's fun. You know, it's a fun little song. It's got a great little violin yep. and, you know, whatever. Um, I I really have a deep contempt for the band Super Tramp. Okay. I don't know why. Um, but That's any- outside of our Venn diagram because I really like – I know you yeah, do. I really like Super Tramp. Um, so. but, but yeah, I'd say anything by by – Super tramp. Yeah, I have to turn it as soon as I, if if she's in the car with me and it comes on. I'm like, you know, you know. No. She's really? like, what are you doing? <laughs> Listen <laughs> to it on your own time. What will you avoid, Corey? Anything by Kid Rock. Um, and I I know I may make some enemies when I say that, but there's just I don't know. Like there, I've actually come to appreciate him a little bit more. Especially Bob his, Boz, all right. Right. And his connection to Detroit. And I appreciate he he did that Bad Boys documentary. Yeah. He did the voiceover for that. And he was like, man, that guy is passionate about his city. So I, I love that because I love Detroit. But man, I can't I can't stand can't his music at all. In fact, we're talking about karaoke. At Mona's for the longest time, uh, some of our DJ friends were, I guess they felt the same way that I did. At and least pi- about one song. Right. And Picture was like really, really popular when we were going there. With, Kid uh, Rock and uh, Show Kid, Crow. Yep, yep. And so eventually they got to a point where they just put a sign up that says, no picture. It's like, you, know, you can come like, up here. We've got every, yeah, like no got every song. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No stairway in the record store. Exactly. We, we got every song that you want under the moon. Don't come up here with that. You know, this is Don't not your karaoke that. bar. Go, go someplace else. <laughs> if you could broadcast a song into the head of every human and create a simultaneous moment, what would it be? Oh, Wow. That's some with great power. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. That's some heady stuff. Um, oh wow. Um, I, I'm going to get in some serious trouble. I just I I really love this song so much. I think it's a beautiful song. It's another deep cut. Uh, Wilco's One Wing is a beautiful song that uh, you know that just about a bird and about somebody's relationship and. And how it's sort of like, you know, coming to an end or whatever. But it was just, it's just, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And that's, for some reason, the first thing that pops up in my head, it's like, man, that's such a beautiful, beautiful song. And I just really like it a lot. I think a lot of people would be very upset with me for doing that, but. Well, it'd be, I, I it'd be I, like getting that U2 album on your phone one day. You yes. know, everybody gets so angry. So <laughs> true. And I love U2, but man, that, that album will not go away. What a wonderful world. Okay. I mean, come on. I think it, I think it would create world peace if we all listened Louis to Louis Armstrong? Yes, of Devo, course. Rage Against the Machine? Which version? Louis Armstrong. Okay. Louis Armstrong. Good I mean, I, I, Devo and Rage are great, but come on. Yeah. Come on. I just thought whenever I picture that question, if, if it actually happened, I just love how 
disruptive it would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because like, you know, half the people would be asleep, and you know what I mean. <laughs> well, if you if you've ever yeah, and if you've ever heard the the John Mulaney bit about you know what's new Pussycat or whatever, yeah, 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 that, yeah. that 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 hearing the same song over and, and over yeah, and over. Yeah, again. that's not good. Yep. No. Uh, okay. Um, if you could only have one album for the rest of your life, wait, I get to you. We're back to yeah, you. Good. Yeah, we don't want to screw up the order. If, if you could only have one album for the rest of your life that like became music, what would it be? I mean, I'd have to say I, I always say that the perfect album is Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Perfect album. Every yeah. song is fantastic. Um, it's it's you know, the songs I, kind of the same reason why I like Spirit of the Radio. I think some of it kind of brings back to my classical music upbringing where the songs have movements. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just it's not just like a four minute song. I mean, there's some eight, nine, ten minute songs on there, but they have movements. They build. They have structure. They have a motif that it comes back to, you know. And, mm. and so but that's I yeah. And I would sing along loudly. Yeah. And poorly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would probably be like it's it goes between two albums for me. It's one's uh, Metallica's Injustice for All. I think that that so- that album is absolutely perfect as well. In a lot of the same reasons that you do, it's got movements. You know, the old Metallica and now some of new Metallica is like much more, like you know, sort of symphonic, these epic yeah. songs. Yeah, these epically epically long songs that just that just move seamlessly between these different movements. But then I always also go back to the Blue Album by Weezer. It's like it it was so like so uh formative for me as as a as a kid when i was in high school and i just love that album through and through and through um i can listen to it like if i decide to just throw it in and just like listen to it straight through and it's just a blast to do that, that's funny because like on on the early metallica albums like all the songs are like 8 9 minutes long like right. these big long epic songs yes. and on the blue album like i don't think there's a song over 3 minutes on it like no, there is very, only oh, in dreams yeah. is the last song, and it's but it's it's the it's their epic one. But yes, it's like it's it, completely they're different. so different. There's, mm. Well, that's just it. It's like it's it's that's why I'm just gonna pick. I'm just gonna pick the blue album because I just think it it will match like no no matter what mood I might be in. So, but yeah, it's it, there. That's why I'm like I can't decide between these two, but I'll pick the blue album. What would your 14 year old self think of who you are today? Um. I think he'd be pretty pretty proud of like what he what he's turned out to be especially like that he continues to like listen for like new music as much as you know not as much as I used to but I was pretty excited like I we had like this big beach party uh for work and so I wanted to put together a playlist to just have while we were there and I was really excited that I was like putting on songs like The Weeknd and a lot of newer stuff or whatever and, and just like bands that I'm like, man, some of these bands are really, really good. That And I just, you know, you kind of move away from listening to a lot of new stuff after a while. But the fact that I'm still trying to find new stuff, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'd be pretty proud of myself for that. What about you, Kirsten? I would think that I was a lame old lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lame old lady trying to listen to popular music. I don't listen to any popular. I don't listen to anything made in the last yeah. 10 years really. But um, yeah. But I heard you. You said 14-year-old self. And I, I somebody said once, and I don't remember if it was 14 or 13 or 15, but the music when you are 14, say, is the music that will be your music yeah. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there other music may come and go, but that's what you'll always go back to for comfort. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, I, I totally I totally get that. But yeah, I would think I was a lame old lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to recommend your three people if you can make it up to three. Okay, so yeah, I'll go first. Um, I had a coworker named Chelsea Castoria uh, when we when I worked at Conrick PR and Marketing, and she was a former DJ. Um, and so music is is very central to who she is. Okay. Um, and so I think she would be fantastic. Great. I have another old coworker that I haven't actually talked to in a while, and uh, I, we always had such great talks about music and. We one time took a trip to Tallahassee together, and he got to really experience what it's like to be, you know, to listen to Corey's like playlist on the way up there. Uh, but Mark Bickle, that worked at the News Press with me, um, if you can get Mark to do it, he's I, been recommended multiple. I'm times. sure he has. I have looked him in the eye and said, "Do you want to do it?" And he's kind of scurried away. <laughs> and I was actually thinking he's probably been recommended before, but, but I want him to do it. But you need to so you good. need to encourage him. Okay, because I, I I think he's. Avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some really good taste, and I think that would be really great. Okay. He sees you on the phone. He's like, oh, good night, Ray. <laughs> exactly. Oh. All right, number three. Um, another former coworker of yours. Yes. Um, I would say Krista Fogelsong, um, who yeah. I share a lot of musical taste with. Totally. She really loves her hair metal as yeah. well. But um, And her Rick Springfield. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. You could do an entire podcast just about Rick Springfield with her. Yes. Like an entire series of podcasts, not just <laughs> Ten like part one. series. Yeah. He's, oh, like, he's, totally. like, he's like, totally, I'm not yeah. sure I really want to get into that. No, but, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love me some Rick Springfield, I think man. she'd be great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, do your best to make that happen. Put a fire under Mark. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get some of some of our cohorts together. It's like, come on, man. How many times do people got to bring your name up? You exactly. Do it. Right? Um, any final thoughts? Corey, you first. This was so much fun, uh, just a blast to do. I, I'm just so thankful that we got the opportunity to, to do it, and uh, it, I don't know. It's it's really fun to like talk with like like minded people that love music. Music is just so it's the soundtrack of our lives, mm-hmm. right? And it's like everything that we do. Uh, and you know, there's there's a song that can be some a lot of times that just you know connected to that in some way, and so. It's really great to sort of think back about a lot of this stuff and sort of, you know, unearth it in many ways. And uh, I don't know. It just makes me so glad that I, you know, thumbed through all those albums of my mom's a long time ago and really sort of peaked that. I'm always looking for that in people. Like, what kind of music are you into? Because it not only says a lot about you, but it also, you know, helps to inform who that person will be like in the future. So this is really great. I I just love this podcast and I just we're really thrilled to do it. Well, we're happy to have you. Kirsten, Ooh, you get my, the final, final word. My, well, I, I, mm, Corey said it so well. So <laughs> I had a question that I was really hoping you'd ask us. Uh, Bring because it. I'd heard you ask it on another on another episode. Um, and it was, what band do you wish people knew about? There you go. Okay. And I have bands that I wish people knew about. What are yeah. the top three bands you wish people knew about? I'm glad you said three because I have three. <laughs> um, and they're all they're all bands that we've seen in concert and mm-hmm. kind of discovered through that avenue. So the first yeah. one is The Struts, yeah. okay. who are kind of a, a rock band from England, but it's very poppy, upbeat rock. It's not like hair metal or thrash metal or anything like that. Right. And the lead singer is probably the best front man in music. His name is Luke Spiller. He's like if Mick Jagger and Freddie Mercury had a baby. Hmm. He's got this amazing voice. 
He moves like both of them. And and we've seen them in concert three times, always at festivals, like as an opening band. We saw them open for Foo Fighters. We yeah. saw them at two different festivals opening. And they they play like they are the headliner. That's yeah. the best way I can put it. They like, do. They just put they on They blow a people show. off the stage. I, um, it takes like a band like the Foo Fighters, you know, of that ilk to be able to put them on in front of them because they're going to match that energy. Oh, yeah. And, and, they're, and, and I just, they're incredible. And that was the first time that I ever saw like an opening band command an audience, yeah. right? Because you go to a concert and most people are like, oh, I'm going to go get a hot dog now or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so my second band is not The Who, who we all know, but The Who, H-U. And oh, they are okay. a heavy metal band from Mongolia. And we saw them in concert. And the lead singer does what's called Mongolian throat singing. I know what that. Yeah, it's like he it's does almost it. like you're Two harmonizing with once. yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's insane, and yeah. they're so good. And they they play these primitive looking electric instruments, and it was just like like the crowd was almost in a trance watching them. Yeah. Mm. It was really super cool. The yeah. Who H U H U. So check them out. Um, and then the third one is this touring band that I love. Oh, who's, yes. Who's never had like a hit or anything. Right. Um, but they come here to Southwest Florida fairly frequently. Fairly, fairly frequently. frequently yeah. uh, Igor and Red Elvises. It I is think Tara's mentioned them before. Siberian surf rock. Okay. <laughs> he is, Igor is this probably 65, 60-year-old Russian guy um, who was on – remember Star Search with Ed McMahon? Like yes. A pre, Pre-American Idol. Yes. He was on an episode of Star Search yeah, once. Wow. Um, but they do kind of surf rock and it's all very silly. And, you know, there's there's a song called Strip Club is Closed. Uh, there's a song called Strip Club is Closed. Yeah. <laughs> all the girls have gone home. There's one called uh, She Works for KGB. I work for Taco Bell. <laughs> like there, it's all very, very silly. But it is it is so much fun to see them perform yeah. that even if you don't necessarily think you're going to like the music, like it's a fun show. So. Um, I, and I think that's – okay, so there's my parting thought, right? Like music should be fun. Music should be experienced. Like I love live music. Right. Corey loves live music. Yep. And and it, it really is – like it, it's an experience. Yes. And I, I had a friend once tell me – she was like, yeah, I just don't get into music. And I was like, how? How can you not get into music? She, yeah. She's like, I don't know. It's not my thing. I'm like – it's everybody's thing. Yeah, you know? I, yeah, I know a couple of people like that, and yeah. never did get it. Well, thank you guys both so much for doing this. Thank this you. has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this was a blast. So much fun. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and host. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio up in St. Pete. This week's parting tune, we're going back one year to episode number 200 guest Meg Favreau. She's a Los Angeles-based filmmaker, writer, and artist who works primarily on animated comedy projects. She's also the force behind the 2020 award-winning short film Hot Dog Steering Wheel, which you should Google and watch as soon as you finish this episode. 
For her first song story, she went back to her favorite song off the album that changed the course of her life. Till My Head Falls Off, from They Might Be Giants' first album, Severe Tire Damage, released in 1998. Because of her obsession, she joined an early internet message board and became friends with other fans around the world, and in the end, so much more. Because of that message board, I started making zines, which was like a big part of my life in high school. Uh, Because of people I met on there, like that's why I went to film school, because I had wanted to be an actor at the time, and... I did this thing which was not super logical where I was like, you know what? Being an actor is an unreasonable career. Um, So I'm going to do the much smarter and more lucrative career of filmmaking. Um, But then I also – there was other people on there where we were all – our websites were all hosted on the same place. And there was this band of guys, um, the Spinto Band – and we were hosted on the same site, and so these two guys who lived near them found my my website through the Spinto Band's website, and I ended up dating one of these guys for seven years and moved to Philadelphia because of it, um, which is then where I met my sketch comedy partner and started doing comedy, and, like, it, it just, it's the... I have no idea what my life would be if I never picked up this album. In, like, really direct and also subtle ways, it has directed the person who I am. In ways where, I, when I think about it, sometimes I'm just like, that's that's insane for one, one randomly choosing one album at the Barnes & Noble to be able to do that to your life. Keep listening. <laughs> 